it could be easier to stay home for sure. But I'm determined that I think my love for being out in these places trumps the whining, the complaining, the I don't want to do this. I'm cold. This is Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. We share a more in-depth take on the most popular stories from our print magazine, showcasing the territory's extraordinary people, culture, and outdoors. I'm your host, Karen McCall. There are a lot of adventurous people in the Yukon. They get out skiing, biking, or hiking every weekend. That's pretty impressive on its own. But then I look at my friends, Jackie Zinger and Aaron Donahue. They do all that, but with kids. Now that is hardcore. They adventure year-round by boat, kickslad, bike, skis, and snowmobile. They go to lots of places, but today I'm talking to Jackie about an area she finds particularly special, Kusawa Lake. That's a large S-shaped body of water nestled in the mountains about an hour and a half from Whitehorse. There's a lakeside territorial campground there, but no developed hiking trails or other infrastructure apart from the gravel access road. That's not a problem for Jackie and Aaron and their twins, Maya and Aiden, and dog, Willow. They use the lake as their gateway to adventure. Today's interview is based on a story written by Kara Johansik for the spring issue of Yukon North of Ordinary magazine. Here's Jackie now. So we're a family of four, my husband and my two children who are twins and they're eight years old. And then often our dog Willow, who's 11, comes on our adventures with us. And what kind of activities do you do with your family? Well, we started exploring Kusawa, I would say, when we first moved to the Yukon, so six years ago. And it really became a place that we we love and we keep going back to for the variety of things that we can do. So out at Kusawa, ranging from summer, from hiking, camping in the campgrounds sometimes. And then we got a Zodiac, which allowed us to go beyond the front country campgrounds there and explore further down the lake. In the springtime, as the kids got older, we started actually taking our bikes out on the lake, especially in the springtime, the lakes really freeze to almost like a pavement, an express highway. And if you time it right, it can be an absolute treat to bike on the frozen lakes at the right time of year. And then in the winter, um, we bought a winter Arctic oven tent and we started winter camping and Kusawa was the first spot that we went to because it was close to home and we could drive home <laughs> if things went sideways. So we use Kusawa as kind of a all year place that our family has grown to love for a lot of our outdoor adventures. So let's, we'll get into the winter side a little bit more to start since it is winter. So you said you have this winter tent. Can you tell me a little bit more about this tent? Yes. So it sleeps four and our dog. And basically it's like a, if I could describe it to people, it's like a, a larger tent <laughs> with a wind stove. They're called an Arctic oven tent. So it's not a canvas tent, but it's designed for winter use. So it's got the, it's safe. It has a winter stove in it. And it's really been designed for people who want to be out in the winter camping and have some comforts of home. So that comfort being heat. <laughs> so we can dry out our stuff and, and stay, stay warm at night. And so we come usually to Kusawa with a lot of our toys. So we bring everything from kick sleds to skates to cross-country skis and our fat bikes. And we have found that no matter what the conditions are when we get to that lake, there's always something that we can do with the toys that we have brought on that trip. 
Yeah. So in the winter, uh, so snowmobiling, so maybe just going kind of tootling out on the lake or whatever the conditions are, usually you're going out on the lake in the winter. Exactly. So we'll skate on the lake, cross country ski. And then there's often, if you hit the right snowmobile track, you can do a really nice fat bike loop on the lake and uh, kick sledding can be good. One of our more magical moments was um, throughout the time that we were staying, it was over the Christmas break and the wind blew off all the snow off the lake. And it was one mass of skating rink and you could see fish swimming and you could just go for forever. And the wind, it was also really windy. And so the wind would just blow you across the lake, but it was just a absolute magical experience to see the lake like that. Usually it's snow covered when we're there and we usually start going to Kusawa kind of come that Christmas break time. And then we'll go back from time to time right into Easter and uh, do a lot of our camping and exploring. Okay, yeah, so the skating season, uh, that's interesting because I always think of the skating season kind of starting end of October, early November when the lakes first start to freeze. And then once it snows, then it's sort of game over. But I guess with the bigger lakes, it takes them longer to freeze. And sometimes you can hit these magical skating windows. As you said, it was windy, so it it was kind of just the perfect combination. Exactly, exactly. And some years uh, people shovel out a skating rink. So we'll just uh, skate around in, in those or we'll clear off an area to skate as well. But that one time it was really rare and I haven't seen it since. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really cool. There's not not much like seeing a, or nothing like seeing fish skating or fish swimming exactly. under the ice. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then moving on through uh, the seasons a little bit in sort of the spring, the conditions change. And yeah, as you said, the lake gets really hard. So it's good for, for traveling on. Yep. So the, the fat biking becomes really good. And again, there's kind of a sweet spot that you can do that. Well, it's still safe. Um, but it's when our lakes really the, the snow on top of the lake starts to melt and goes through the cracks on the ice. And then that freezes over and creates a really like kind of compact surface. So you can bike huge distances and it's just a beautiful time of year. And then the snow starts melting off all the hillsides. And if you're lucky, you can start to see all the crocuses coming out. So it's one of my more favorite years because you get sort of the spring, the spring bloom, but you also get the advantage of the lakes. And then when the lake starts to thaw out too, we've been down there just as a day, day trip and you get some neat like candle ice, which is if you kind of lift your hands up at the lake and all the ice kind of forms these candle type shapes it looks like magical crystals and you can kind of just play with them on the side of the lake like you can like pick it up and throw it in and it'll exactly burst into a million pieces. yes yeah exactly so we've seen a lot of magical moments and even in the winter but we've had neat um where the lake kind of pushes up the ice on the sides of the lake forming these really cool like ice cave tube type structures that you can kind of explore in and and check out these are Aiden and Maya's recollections of the ice cave. It was like a wave, the waves. It froze. And it froze and you could actually go in it. And there was so much rocks. And you could actually see water, water trickling because there was a little hole that you could see water trickling in. I find whenever we explore Kusawa, there's always something magical and different from the last time that we went. So let's uh, talk for a second about um, the fat biking. Uh, you said, yeah, sometimes you can hit it where it's sort of end of winter, but also start of spring. So what, what sort of uh, time period is that approximately? Good question. I want to say we're typically on the lakes in March. Okay. But I'm not exactly positive exactly when we're... Like, it, it really depends on how much... 
uh, sunlight we've had and how many hot days and, and temperature, which kind of dictates how long you can kind of safely be on the lake. And we're always checking the depth of the lake and making sure that, that we're going on it at a safe safe time. I think I was, I was on Kusua one of the days that you were there because I saw your kick sled and bikes on the beach. And I think it was like, yeah, end of April first, I think it was the first weekend in May. Okay. Yep. That, that might make sense. <laughs> I'm a few months out. <laughs> well, no, I, you could probably do it other times, but I know there's I sort look of that, at my pictures. <laughs> there's that narrow window between, yes. uh, yeah, yep. when the lake gets too, uh, maybe sketchy and when it's really good. And for people who uh, don't know what a fat bike is, can you yeah. just tell me what that so, is? And people might not know kick sledding also, too. So yes. I'll, I'll explain both. So uh, a fat bike is like a normal mountain bike, but with bigger winter tires um, that are often more beefier and have better grip on them. Um, so really you're not sliding around if you have grippier conditions. Definitely if it's like icy and no snow, um, they are quite slippery as a normal bike would be but the advantage of a fat bike is they're designed to get through more snowy conditions and they have better grip than a normal mountain bike and our kids bikes they're kind of an average mountain bike they just have a thicker tire on them so we kind of use it uh, as a winter bike and it's worked great for them also people um, outside of Scandinavia might not be that familiar with kick sleds. Yes. So kick sleds, actually, I first learned about kick sleds when we first moved to the Yukon and there's a wonderful lady who sells them in town and we bought kind of a family fleet of them and they're basically almost like pushing a chair with skis on it. <laughs> If I could describe it, I like to use it when I skate. It gives you balance. So it's kind of like that. Like if you picture like something that assists you on ice, it's like a chair on skis, but it's amazing. You can get amazing glide on them and I can put a kid on the seat. And then if they're in the right conditions, we can really go far on kick sleds and it's easier. You don't have to tie up skates or put on ski boots. You just hop on your sled and you go. And in the right conditions, you can uh, have a, a wonderful kick sled on Kusua. My friend is from Norway and he was saying he thinks of them as sort of a, a utilitarian kind of vehicle because they use them to go to the grocery store and just to like run errands around town. And, um, and they also, I kind of think of them too, as they look like what you'd use if you were dog mushing, except just exactly. for one person. It's not as huge as a, a musher's yes. sled. Yeah. And you can attach, we have friends that we camp with who do attach their husky to it and you get some really good pull when you do attach some, some mm -hmm. assistance. And we used to, when our kids were younger, when we were biking on Kusawa, we'd actually tow them so they'd be on their kick sleds and we would attach their kick sleds to our bikes and then we could go big distances and when they'd get tired they'd just sit on the seat and we could still just we could tow them still down the lake. tow them down the lake and still make good distances so we've found we've actually used that combination a lot but now that the kids are older they're able to pedal their bikes and go bigger distances but when they were younger it was the best way for our family to get beyond the first couple kilometers of of a day use area so when you're towing them, you have like a rope attached to the exactly. kickstart attached We're kind of like okay. the dog. <laughs> <laughs> providing the we power. Are, we, are power. we are providing the power with a little, little bit of assistance on the back. 
So let's talk about, I know you guys did an overnight trip um, down Kusawa with your bikes and uh, a kick sled in tow. And that was the weekend I mentioned earlier when I saw you guys on the lake because we were just doing a day trip out and back. And then I recognized your guys' gear on shore and I was like, oh my gosh, my friends and their kids are doing a more hardcore trip than we are. <laughs> so, Because that, that was, uh, I guess, about 10 kilometers down the lake, you guys. Yeah, 10 or 14. To, to the Narrows. Something okay, like something that. like that. These are Aiden and Maya's impressions of how long it took to bike that day distance 85,000 hours is that what it felt like yes yes it was kind of our first try of doing like an overnight trip with the kids so we packed really light because I really just had uh two bags that were on my my bike and then another little bag and then Aaron was towing one of our kids kick sleds with just a rubber made but lo and behold, when we got to camp, what I didn't discover when dad did the packing and said only bare essentials, the two stuffed animals got priority out of my camping pillow and my camping chair. <laughs> did you get to use the stuffies as a pillow? Uh, maybe. <laughs> So we do, although we do pack light often on our trips, there are some essentials like the stuffies that end up end up coming along for the ride too. <laughs> Got to keep um, the kids happy. <laughs> but that was a glorious weekend. It was really one of those magical warm spring days. And when we got to the Narrows, the beach was open and it was just perfect camping and felt like you had this big tropical beach because we've come out of a very long winter and to arrive at a beach like that that's just full of sand and beautiful weather it's quite a treat I guess on that trip you're packing light you're not bringing the arctic oven you're bringing a lighter tent. exactly it's a, it's our summer switching over to the summer gear at that point yeah, yeah. in the yeah in the Yukon summer starts in <laughs> May exactly May. <laughs> longer days yeah yeah so that's yeah, like we said, 10 or 14 kilometers down the lake. The lake is about 60 kilometers, I believe, um, long. It is, uh, yeah, a huge lake, but biking or kick sledding on it really allows you to get out and explore it. That's right. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people snowmobile on it, ice fish, ski, skate. It seems to be used by all different forms of recreation, and that's the, the beauty of that area. Yeah. Moving into summer, once the the lake does freeze off, then uh, you've got a Zodiac. And so you take that on the lake yeah, too. Yeah, so we used to, like, we started out just camping in the campground. And that's a beautiful experience too. Um, and that's a territorial campground. Exactly, yeah. And a really nice place to go and beautiful beach in the summer. But we wanted to get a little bit beyond. And uh, we bought a Zodiac for our family and started doing more boating adventures. And Kusawa was the first place we brought our boat. It's kind of a place we feel at home and it seemed like the natural close to home place to to go. And so we started doing sort of couple day trips here and there. And then last summer, we ended up doing I think it was seven days on the lake. So we actually made it to the far end and uh, spent time camping there. And it's just the I think the the beauty of Kusawa is the beaches wherever you go are just amazing white sandy beaches. And there are people out there, but but not a lot. So you really have that that peace and quiet and kind of space and just draw jaw-dropping scenery around you. So, yeah, you're camping on sandy beaches, getting sand in all the tents and stuff like that, but it's still worth it. Sandy beaches are still beautiful. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. There is sometimes you can get into the forest and get your tent away from all the sand, yeah. Time for a short break. We'll be right back. Do you have a Yukon North of Ordinary hoodie yet? What about a t-shirt, a toque? 
mug. Check out the full product line at the retail store in Whitehorse, located on the corner of 2nd Avenue and Steel Street across from City Hall. Limited products can also be ordered from northofordinary.com. And while you're there, don't forget to pick up a magazine subscription. And now, back to the episode. Kusua, like uh, many lakes in the Yukon, as we said, it's it's large, and um, s- I guess large lakes can be treacherous with the wind. Have you also had some kind of uh, harrowing experiences with yeah, your you, boat? Yeah, you definitely do need to watch the wind. The first time that we did bring our, our boat out, I think we just went as far as the Narrows the first time in the wind, as we, as we knew kind of going in that it, it can pick up and can get really windy. So we've learned just to be really like traveling in the mornings or later in the evenings when the winds die down. And even on our seven day trip, like we really just got up and went when we were going to a new location. And really we let mother nature guide where we were going and off the water by noon most days. Um, some days are those rare days where it's just like glass and that's incredible. But that, that, uh, lake, even in the winter too, can get super, super windy. So it's something that we're always aware of and it kind of dictates how far we go, when we go and, uh, how we go about our day. How do you guys entertain yourselves once you, once you get to these beaches or how do the, how do you keep the kids entertained? Keep the kids entertained. So I think it's just, you're in this big playground. So, the beach is entertained. Um, we go for a lot of walks, exploring, looking for wildlife tracks. I always come with a few little outdoor activities and tricks up my sleeve, um, especially our trip that we did in the summer. We had lots of rain. So lots of we set up tarps and so we're not tent bound. We always have a form of shelter to go into. And I don't know, the days just kind of pass. I don't find we're ever bored or looking for things to do. We read lots of books with the kids, but a lot of it's just being being out there. You mentioned tarps. Uh, do you also have shelters from mosquitoes? We don't. <laughs> but Kusawa can be windy, so that helps. Um, we do have a few bug jackets for the kids, but again, I've never found it that bad. But okay, others, that's may, good. others might say different. Um, but personally, I'd, um, the bugs have never like ruined a trip for us or caused us to be tent bound for a day or anything like that. Like we typically will try to set up our tent somewhere where it's a little bit more breezier to get the bugs um, away. What are some of the other challenges that you've come across uh, in, in any season? Yeah, I'd say like for us with kids, it's really about like making sure on the boat, it can be a beautiful, beautiful sunny day and like short and tank top weather at Kusawa campground. But the moment you get in the boat, <laughs> that is not the case. Um, it's like in a Zodiac, you're very open and exposed to the wind. So we have to almost dress like it's winter <laughs> when we go. So <laughs> Almost an exposure suit. Yeah, and we've had a few incidents where we're ready to get into the boat. And then there you see one of your children's who's just ended up falling off the dock. (laughs) And you're about to embark on a weekend getaway and they're already soaking wet and the rubber boots are soaking wet too. So we've had to deal with a few of those things. So we always have extra gear. I always usually pack some extra footwear in case of that um uh extra pair of rain gear like we've got kind of old rain gear that's just in our bags and lots of mitts hats and sort of in the summer we also have some of our our winter gear with us to stay warm but everyone is really bundled up and then when you get to camp you're like whoo 
It's like you're really hot. And that's yeah. because the water on Kusa was so cold. That's what makes it cold. It is. Right? And it's the, it's just the wind uh, that you're exposed to on the Zodiac. So there's no kind of, in a Zodiac, you're, you're wide open. So there's no little shelter to hide under. So you're exposed to all the elements. You're exposed to uh, bigger waves kind of coming onto your boat. So the kids and I will typically sit up front and we're exposed to a lot of the bigger waves if it's windy out on the water. So we can also get wet. So we've got full on rain gear and uh, we're ready for, <laughs> for anything to happen. You're basically in a like a sturdier inflatable dinghy. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So at times it does feel like you're a little bit close to the waves. <laughs> um but they are very like a zodiac is really built for for bigger waves and water so what what can seem scary at times the boat usually can handle it but we're we're very cautious about taking our our boat out when the waves are are pretty extreme Aiden did mention the one time you sounded a little bit concerned my mom was freaking out because (laughs) she was because she thought we were going to capsize. She would say, Aaron, we might capsize. Aaron, we, we might capsize. <laughs> he might have exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> There's times where my level of comfort might not be the operator's level of comfort, but <laughs> I just have to I just have to zen sometimes because uh, yeah I know that the boat can can handle it, but sometimes the waves it can just seem like because you're kind of at level in in this rather large dinghy um, and with young children, so that's why we always kind of err on the side of caution and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and of course like the waves and the wind can pick up very quickly, so sometimes you get caught in things you weren't planning and you just have to. That's right. Get to shore, I guess. Go to shore, have have lunch, wait it out. What are some of the more uh, memorable moments you've had out uh, out at Kuswa? Yeah, I'd say I'll go back to when the in the winter when the snow got blown off the lake and just skating and kick sledding on this like massive open lake where you can see the rocks and the fish swimming. That that was incredible. There's been times where you have that bad weather coming through, but then it brings out the most amazing rainbows on Kusawal Lake, like double rainbows. And it's just incredible waking up to hearing wolves howl um, next to your campsite. Aiden and Maya again recalling what that sounded like. They were sounding. They sounded like ghosts. All those kind of things, I think, is what brings magic to Kusawa, going up on the banks and seeing crocuses in bloom to being able just to do some of the recreation as we do do it out, out there. And I think it just brings that sense of calm and it gets our family away from just, I wouldn't call Whitehorse busy, but it just gets you away from, from your day-to-day things that you do at home that keep you busy. And it's a place that I can go to kind of reconnect with the outdoors. It's my happy place. A lot of people would think that doing these sorts of things with kids is, is pretty challenging. Like, how, what motivates you like, to... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it seems like it'd be no, easier to stay home. Yeah, we it, it could be easier to stay home for sure. But I'm determined that I think my love for being out in these places trumps the whining, the complaining, the I don't want to do this. I'm cold. There's no doubt there's some complaining along the way. Here's Maya. There's two boring parts. We have to do it in the summer. We 
has to wait in the boat for Dad when he goes fishing. And the one thing that is also going to tell is that this is a really disgusting part that our dog Willow barfed all on in the tent. Yeah, that's not very fun, is it? Do you think she was seasick? No, she ate too much rose hips. Oh. We have our moments, as any any family would. There, there's there's arguments. There's pushing kids to do things they don't want to do. But in the end, I would say that all outweighs the experiences that we have out there. And I remember on a different trip when my daughter was young that she came back off a a nine day canoe trip and said, and she's like three at the time. She's like, when I get home, I want to put on a dress and have my nails painted. (laughs) And I really thought we were doomed of doing any kind of outdoor stuff after that. But I told her, you've inherited the wrong family and you're going to just have to push through these things. And yeah, you can have your nails painted and put your dress on when you get home. But we continue on. Yeah. Do you ever worry about that sort of pushing the kids to a point where they don't want to do something and then it's just going to be like a battle? It's a good point. Like, and I would say, yeah, there is the complaining and stuff. But at the end of the day, I know they look back on these as as memories and um they want to go out again and do it and they're excited to be in these places so I think that outweighs it and I think like you sometimes have to push through that for them to see that they actually are enjoying themselves and love it and as soon as they know we're committed then they usually back back off from that So now when you said like, okay, kids were packing for Kusawa, how do they react? Yeah, they're excited. They know that we're going to do some camping over there again. And it's also, it helps when we bring friends too, um, that have children or just other friends with us. I think that creates a whole different element for them. What's some of the gear that you uh, bring along with you? All right. So when the kids were younger, we used to bring their little potty with us. We don't need to do that anymore because they're older, but that was a saving grace because you weren't having to like fly into the forest to dig a hole and do all that. You could kind of just take care of that separately. So that was one of our essential pieces for a bit. Um, A hammock. The kids can spend hours and hours playing on a hammock. So that's one of our, our top essentials that that come with us. How did you find out about the hammock? Did you think of that? Or did you read about that on a blog? Or no, something? I just bought it for Aaron as a Father's Day gift, but he never actually gets to use it. <laughs> actually, it was given to him as a gift while we were camping at Father's Day out at Kusawani since has not been able to have time in it. Maybe it's a gift for him because it's entertaining the kids. So then he gets to relax exactly. elsewhere. Exactly. So that's kind of an essential item that we bring to kind of keep the kids entertained usually like they play in the sand a lot so having a couple little sand buckets and shovels but again we don't bring a whole lot to entertain we just have a few a few things um sometimes i'll bring like some watercolor paints and they can they can paint i have usually a few like rainy day type activities up my sleeve that that will do marshmallows are kind of our family staple essential um seems to be our family treat whenever we get in the boat yeah we have a few essential camping foods that always get brought on trips and that's Um, for roasting at the campfire exactly yeah yeah so there's a few like grown to know foods that come on all of our trips marshmallows being one of them i know you said once too when you let your husband do the food packing he uh bought a lot more uh, candy than you would have. oh definitely yes 
there's a there's a lot of I'd say our diet changes a little bit when we're uh, on our trips, but there's also oh yeah, Twizzlers licorice that that you can get some time while the kids are I think it's like in the boat occupying themselves because I can spend hours just looking at the scenery but that's not really what the kids are interested in so they get to eat things like Twizzlers and maybe the odd sucker and things like that that can keep them a little bit more occupied but we also stop a lot when we're on our boat we stop a lot at beaches and explore and then get back in are you cooking on a stove usually when you're out there Yeah. yeah Yeah, we have a, a camping stove. Uh, sometimes it's just like our little backcountry camping stove. Other times we'll bring a, like a bigger Coleman stove. Yeah, and then we always like an essential for us is a tarp because it always, the weather always seems to be doing something. It's sometimes glorious and sunny, but you can always expect some rain showers. And so having that set up every time we get into camp is one of our, one of our essentials for sure. Even if it's not in the forecast, you just never you know. You just never know. <laughs> Do you have any tips for other families uh, looking to get outdoors with their kids? Yeah, I would say you just have to go for it despite, you know, kids digging in their heels or complaining. I I do find that that stops the moment your children know you're committed and you're going. um, You just have to do it and not like it is a lot of planning. It's a lot of planning, especially when you're going for eight or nine days of food and making sure you've got enough of that. But I'd say like it just gets easier and easier and you you get to know what you need and you don't need everything but the kitchen sink. You, You can get by with it and the kids will entertain themselves and love it and enjoy it. Um, the hardships outweigh the joy of when you're out there and, and having that time, having that time away from our phones and computers and, and the busyness of life just to connect with your family is, is so important. So I'd say if, if there's people just thinking about it, and even if it's just going camping at Kusawa in the front country for the first time, it's just a, it's a magical place. And you don't, you don't need the boat and you don't need the bikes to still experience the magic of that area. That would be a lovely note to end on, but I do have to ask if you've ever just had any trips that just didn't work out because of weather or whatever, and you had to like come back early or, or anything like that. You know, I don't know. We haven't. I think we just kind of have persevered. There was the time where I looked over and there's my daughter hauling herself out off of the dock and it was like late September. And I was like, oh my goodness, you are wet from the waist down and I was like there's that moment where it's like it could be easier right now just to get in the car and go back home but I was like no we will get the crocs on you will change yourself we'll dig out everything that's been packed and in the boat and we'll persevere and keep keep going Good job. Well, thanks so much for uh, sharing. I'm sure many families will uh, enjoy hearing about this. That's it for this episode of Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. Please share this episode and leave us a review. It really helps. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our print magazine by going to northofordinary.com. While you're there, check out Yukon North of Ordinary merchandise. For a full product line, visit the Bricks and Mortar store in Whitehorse, located on the corner of 2nd Avenue and Steel Street, across from City Hall. There's a great selection of hats, clothing, stickers, and more. Do you have something to say about this episode? We'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media, at North of Ordinary. You can also contact me, Karen McCall, with feedback or story ideas. My email is editor at northofordinary.com. 
Thanks to the whole team at North of Ordinary Media. Our podcast artwork is by art director Manu Kegenhoff. Our music is by Head Candy and tribeofnoise.com. Thanks for listening. We have another episode coming out next week. I hope you listen in. Thank you.